Hey, and welcome back to the B2B Brand and Demand podcast with me, your host, Amir Bajrafshan. The B2B Brand and Demand podcast is all about the importance of building your brand to generate demand in the world of B2B marketing. And today's guest is Liz Churchman. She is a B2B PR expert, and we're going to be covering a ton of useful topics in this episode that's going to help you to do better PR, build your brand and generate more demand for your B2B brand. So let's just jump straight into it. Okay, so Liz, thank you very much for being with us today. Can you tell us who you are and a little bit about what you do? Um, so I am Liz Churchman. Basically, my role um, is Client Services Director of Emmett and Churchman Limited, um, ECPR for short. And we are a boutique B2B agency. Um, very much our sweet spot is around tech scale-ups, startups, um, and, and delivering a strategic approach to, to PR. Um, a bit more about my role, what does client services director mean? Um, it basically means that I am across the board, across our client roster, I'm looking after those clients, making sure that they are happy with what we're delivering. Um, and that's both from, a, I suppose, a strategic perspective, but also a tactical perspective. Okay, that's really interesting. And something that you said, in there sort of stood out to me that you take a strategic approach to PR. Mm. Could you talk a little bit about what PR is, some common misconceptions, and then perhaps share a little bit about what a strategic approach to PR might look like? Yes. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. There, there, there can be some misconceptions of, of what PR is. Um, I think there's, there's, you know, it's very true to say that PR is very much around, for us, it's about educating, influencing and persuading your audience. Um, and it's really important that when people embark on a PR journey that they understand that it's not that's not something that you can do in seconds or minutes or days. And I think for the most part, the people that or the, the clients that we deal with, they do understand that. And if they don't, we're unlikely to be working with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's it's ensuring that, you know, reinforcing that point that it's 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 a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. You know, brand awareness in its entirety is not something that happens overnight. Um, and we talk about five truisms mm-hmm. um, when we build that case for PR. And we talk about them being people can't buy something they haven't heard of. Um, people don't trust something that they are not familiar with. People are ambivalent about what you say about yourself because, well, you would say that, wouldn't you? And your brand is whatever the customer perceives it to be, not what your marketing says it is. And the final one there is that for us, we, we were true believers in the fact that the most effective sales tactic always has been and forever will be third-party endorsement. And if you think about that third party endorsement, journalists are your ultimate third party. Right. Absolutely. That's fantastic. There. There's a lot of lot of gold in there. And I love how you've identified that as a journalist because I suppose they've already got a platform themselves. They're already yes. 
they're not random people. They're people that have got a perspective, maybe even got an audience as well. So mm. being endorsed by those people will have a knock-on effect on how you're perceived as well. Absolutely. And, and you know, particularly in some of the niche markets, I mean, we're, we love tech um, and we work in some very niche markets. And when you think about those niche markets, whether that's insure tech, electronics, mm. you, you have journalists who have been in that industry for quite a while um, mm. and they've, they've built up their own brand and they are well respected and credible and have an authoritative voice. And if you can plug into that and nurture a relationship with those people, it's going to do wonders for your, your brand awareness. Right. Right. That's a great point. Sort of on the topic of PR, can you dispel a myth that PR is easy because all it is is putting out a press release? There, there are a lot of businesses out there, particularly within B2B, who are probably feeling like they're doing PR and they're doing it well. But I think that when you talk about a press release or a um, an article or a comment in a magazine, for example, mm. you're very much talking about the tactics um, and from our perspective, we don't actually do anything different when it comes to tactics. Mm-hmm. The bit that we do differently is the front end, um, which is the strategic piece, um, because it holds far more weight um, in terms of being able to demonstrate the value of what, what PR can bring to the, to the entire mix, really. Um, it's very easy just to say, oh, we'll, we'll send out a press release every, every month, we'll, we'll do some commentary. But if you can tie that back into a strategic imperative, it holds far more weight and it gives you the leverage that you potentially need internally to make sure you get the buy-in from you know, senior leadership team, for example, because they understand that it's very much tied into strategic imperatives of the business um and i'm sure i'll touch upon that in some of the the other um discussion points that you mentioned yeah so that was that was a really interesting what you said there you said that you might do similar tactics to other pr firms but what's what i'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing i suppose oh. but where you where you're getting most value where you derive most value is from the strategic work that then informs the execution of those tactics yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you, we, we mentioned kind of like senior buy-in. Could you talk about what, you know, common pushbacks that you might have um, kind of experienced and how, if there's a marketing manager listening to to this, if they're keen on doing, you know, that impactful strategic PR work, what how might they approach senior management? What might their arguments comprise of? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's almost three questions that automatically I think of when I think about the common pushbacks. And those three questions tend to be, what will it achieve? How many leads will will we get from this? And how are we going to measure success? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that tends to be the, the kind of questions that not necessarily um, are coming from the marketing person that we are speaking to and, and maybe we're prospecting with, mm. but actually from that senior senior leadership team who may not truly understand what PR can do and 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 what what it can deliver. Um, but that tends to be the, the questions. It's very much around you know 
that that kind of historical oh well I I want to generate more leads or I want to to make sure that I get more leads and I think it's really important if, if we consider the funnel of how buyers come into that funnel where PR can play an integral role in influencing that funnel is very much at the top you know it's, it is very much that brand awareness piece as you go further down the funnel or as that buyer goes further down the funnel, PR may play less of a role because you already have that brand awareness. You're, you've built up some of that trust. And actually what the buyer's looking for is reinforcement. So they're looking for your case studies of clients that you're working with, or they're looking for what value you can deliver in, in kind of tangible terms. So I think it's really one of the things that's very impactful when we're talking to prospective clients is, you know, that image of that funnel and reminding ourselves where PR can play the biggest and most significant role. And that is for us very much around getting those leads into the funnel. And I'd caveat that as well by saying it's not just any leads. We want to help shorten the sales cycle you know, we know the sales cycle can be notoriously long for for some industries, particularly defence, which we operate in quite heavily. But what we're trying to do is be really targeted and focused and help shorten that sales cycle. And I suppose that kind of lends itself nicely into how would we overcome some of those pushbacks? Well, for us, it's very much about taking that strategic approach how can you shorten that sales cycle and make sure that the leads are much more qualitative rather than just simply getting loads of leads in and they end up not going anywhere? It's very much about that qualitative piece. And if you can be strategic, then you can demonstrate that actually the leads have improved in terms of quality. They are the right people that we are speaking to um, and they are engaging with our message. So. What what we do at that front end and, and, and basically the first phase of how we approach any PR campaign is very much around that communication strategy piece. So, you know, who do we want to talk to? We need to have a very in-depth um, understanding of who it is we're targeting. If we don't, how can we communicate with them? We need to really understand those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of that strategic approach that we take. And it's not its not just, we, we've been with clients before where they've said, oh yeah, we know who our target buyer or persona, sometimes they're called personas. We know who that persona is. But when you actually dig deeper into it, it's a very loose understanding. They haven't looked at um, motivations. They haven't looked at fears. They've not looked at pet peeves or pain points. They've just done a little bit of a, you know, a short exercise to say, well, you know, this is the, this is their job title and they work in this kind of company. And it tends to be very loose. And, and the point here is that you actually have to get, you do have to do that deep dive. Otherwise, there's no point in doing it. Right. Um, so I'll stop there because I know that, that I've <laughs> kind of fired quite a lot there. Um, and again, as I said, that, that communication strategy piece for us is it's our single differentiator from our perspective because without it you are pretty much flying blind and that's not just from a PR perspective but that's more 
that's also from a more kind of pure marketing perspective as well. Because as far as we're concerned, any business will have a business plan. And the business plan, in terms of the communication strategy, that should sit directly under that business plan. It's informing the business plan. And without it, you are basically doing a spray and pray approach to any of your marketing and PR activity. That's how integral it is. Yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said there. <laughs> that was amazing. So again, we we come back to the importance of strategy and strategic approach and really making sure that there's an alignment between business strategy and the communications strategy. Yeah. And it sounds like, and something that comes up again when we speak to customers is having, going in as, as a third party, I imagine you bring not just your your skills and experience and your contacts, but also perspective and distance from things like a persona where mm. you can poke holes, you know, in a healthy way. So you can get that depth that you need because it sounds like what you're saying is the persona is really key um, and having a very tightly defined persona so that the messaging can be um, again, aligned with them, their, mm. their goals, their struggles to create that relevance at the top of the funnel which creates that attention that you need, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's critical. Um, And it really does inform, as you said, everything that we would then do. Um, Because as far as we're concerned, once you you understand and you can articulate what that pain point is, you know, what's that one thing that your persona, what keeps them up at night? Mm. And, and, And if you keep rallying back to that, you will instill trust and credibility and authority, which then lends itself so nicely into the brand awareness piece. You know, we talk a lot about being visible. We want to make sure that our clients are visible, valued and understood. That's that's what we talk about. So visible, if they don't see you, they can't become familiar with you. Mm-hmm. Valued, if they don't trust you, they won't choose you. And understood, if they don't understand you, they can't prefer you. So a lot of what we're doing is trying to build that build that empathy and that trust. And you can only do that by talking your customer's language. Right. And I know I'm kind of touching upon one of your other questions, but um, <laughs> again, I'll stop there. Because it's, it's, if once I get kind of, you can t- probably tell, I get quite passionate about this subject. And No, no, um, no, don't stop yourself. If you've got <laughs> something to say, um, go ahead and do it. Because I'm learning a lot. I'm sure the audience is learning a lot as well. I love the visible, valued and, and understood. And I suppose, I don't know, it almost sounds like a little mantra to me. It, yeah, it really is. I mean, we see when we when we're again when we're out in the industries, and it, it really doesn't matter what what industry it is, but tech in particular, you see a lot of B two B businesses being very good at talking about themselves and their products and their services. You know, they can drill out any feature of a product any any day of the week, but very rarely will you go onto a website where you can genuinely say that they put the customers at the heart of their comms. It shouldn't, it shouldn't, for me, you should hit a homepage and it should all be about that customer. Mm. It shouldn't be about the business at all. It should be about their customers. And that, that, that itself, you cannot do without being strategic, without going through that strategic piece at the very outset. Mm. Um, and 
yes, okay, there's been times when we've had personas, which actually, you know, they, they have been quite detailed. But what happens is it almost stops there. They've got the persona, but actually they've not they've not then gone on to do the messaging. So, you know, if you think about every, you know, the IADA model, awareness, interest, decision and action, that's typically the sales cycle. Doesn't matter what 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 market or, or what industry we're talking about. Mm-hmm. That is what a buyer will go through. And what you should be doing is identifying your personas and then thinking about the message you want to deliver as that buyer goes through that journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where B2B businesses sometimes fall down is that messaging piece can be can be missing because that's your holy grail. Once you've got that messaging and once you understand how your buyer um, consumes content, bring the two together and you have your marketing and PR plan. You know, you know that, for example, LinkedIn is where they consume a lot of their content. Right. Let's think about LinkedIn as a channel. How can we engage them on LinkedIn? Well, we know what our message is now. Let's do some videos or let's do some um, written blogs or whatever that tactic ends up being. It becomes a tactic that is strategically targeted and focused on that persona we've identified. Incredibly powerful once you pull that all together. And it it does take time. Mm. You know, we we, we run a two-day workshop to, to deliver or to get a first iteration of that comm strategy. But, oh, my God, you know, you have those hairs on your arms standing up on end once you have that moment of clarity because it just completely makes sense then right so again kind of you know we kind of like touched on tactics etc um Mm -hmm. and again it sounds like you're saying that the difference between um say two different blog posts which is you know the the same tactic they say the difference between one working and not working i.e uh, appealing to the, uh, the the audience and kind of generating engagement uh, mm. and the start of a relationship is the strategy behind that. And like you say, yeah. the, the perhaps the segmentation, positioning and, and messaging that yeah. forms the foundation of all of that. Absolutely. There's a bit in between before for us, there's a, there's a phase in between, which is, you know, you might, you might start off with a plan, and as you go through the comm strategy work, you might think, mm, I need to revisit that plan now. But knowing what I know now, we need to revisit and recalibrate that plan. And one of the things that's at the heart of that is what I would call kind of your ideas bank, your brilliant ideas bank. Hmm. And what it does is it, it you know, d- along the top, and it can be as simple as an Excel spreadsheet, along the top, you've got each of your four stages of your message or your buyer's journey. So you've got your engagement message, which is your kind of A bit, which is the awareness. So that's engaging your your customers. But as you go through those four steps, down the left-hand side, you have all of the ideas, all of the ideas for content, whether that ends up being a blog, a podcast, a video, whatever it ends up being. But that, to me, is strategically focused. It's still it's still a, a list of tactics, mm. but they're strategically focused because what you then do is map each of those pieces of content to each of the stages of that that messaging journey. In in real terms, and in my mind, you should not be veering off 
that that kind of you're not that north star because if you do veer off it's not having an impact on being able to do that visible valued and understood piece with your with your target personas it's okay to go off strategy sometimes of course it is um there might be a, a real genuine reason for the business to do that but it's important that you consciously have that decision made rather than it just being something that you know you've not actually discussed um you you've made a conscious decision to go off strategy slightly because there's a very valid reason but actually what we need to do is get back onto our strategic focus which is whatever that might be whether that's one persona that you're targeting or two or three but that's that again is all dependent on budget size which sometimes is is quite a quite a challenge for particularly within b2b you know that they may have marketers might have few resources and limited budgets so that's where the strategy can really play a fundamental role in making sure that every penny you're spending is working as hard as possible right that makes sense and i love i love the concept of the ideas bank it sound it sounds like it's a really powerful asset to have like you say to keep you on yeah. track with that that north star that a good strategy can be and i suppose help to prevent the over tactification <laughs> of any yes. kind of like marketing and uh, pr work because we all have our tactics don't we <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and it's it's really kind of been brave with that as well because I think more often than not, it's it's being brave and pushing back. We've all been there. We might have a CEO who decides that he really wants to, you know, speak at an event, for example, and he knows that this event is quite high profile and, you know, he, he needs to be, he or she needs to be on there. But when you challenge and say, okay, well, what impact is that going to have on our strategy in terms of engaging and persuading our target personas and and getting in front of those target personas Mm. more often than not they will come back and say well it's not and it tends to end up being what you find when you drill down it's actually more of a vanity thing and that's okay as well but again it goes back to that point of actually discussing that within the business and saying okay you know CEO over here you're willing to take the time to do that that's great but let's just be be mindful of the fact that it's not strategically going to impact what we're trying to do. And that's all that is okay. But just as long as everything's weighted, you know, almost that 80-20 or 90-10, everything is more weighted towards that strategic focus rather than just going off on tangents. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. Just to sort of like push things like forwards a little bit more, and people listening to this maybe can can think about the answer to this but in your experience what are some of the symptoms that b2b brand needs to do more um brand awareness work via pr etc or or another approach what are some of the the ways in which b2b brands are perhaps suffering even if they're not not fully aware but they'll be experiencing some kind of symptoms i suppose that there's a need to to take some kind of action in the way that you're talking about can you talk to a couple of the perhaps the most prominent ones? Yeah, I think that if I think about why we start working with some of our clients, it tends to be around that messaging piece. For example, it could be that the sales team have come to marketing and saying, 
you know, leads leads are falling off a cliff or what we're getting through the funnel is just it's just rubbish. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not we're not getting any traction. Um we're, we're we're just yeah we're we're just not getting seen or we're not getting heard, and that manifests itself because obviously in in our mind marketing slash PR is there to support sales. It is it's a support function, isn't it? And so if it's not if it's not doing that, then clients will tend to think, okay, what, what what's the what's the root of the problem? And when we talk again, going back to that funnel analogy. When we are maybe having an initial conversation with that prospect, we will say, okay, what's the issue that's that's driving this conversation? And it tends to be around that. It tends to be, well, you know, we're we're not we're not seeing the leads coming through. We're not, we're not getting that traction. Mm. Our, you know, our brand awareness is really low. We need, we need some help around this. And when we dig in a bit further, what we find is a couple of things. We, we, we tend to find there's inconsistency. So when we talk about consistent messaging, what you're finding is that you've got, I don't know, you've got a team of 10 people in your sales team and they're actually saying completely different things. Mm-hmm. You know, what makes you different? What makes you unique? What's your, what's your differentiation? Everyone within that business is saying something different. Mm-hmm. And that manifests itself, not just from a from a marketing perspective, but a PR perspective, is you have no alignment. And then the other part of that is that you tend to find that, again, that, that being brave piece is that there's a lot of corporate jargon words that are used, that can be used in B2B. And it becomes dull and it becomes very much me too. Mm. You know, you do, no business wants to be a me too. They want to differentiate. They want to, you know, have compelling, um, compelling messaging. But again, you mentioned it earlier. Is sometimes having um, an external like us coming in, seeing it with a fresh set of eyes, asking the right questions, challenging the business. All of a sudden, you get that golden nugget of uniqueness or differentiation, which you probably wouldn't have got if you were continuing to have those discussions internally. So that tends to be the things that are happening within the within the business that prompts them to be thinking we need to we need to do something around around our brand awareness piece. Right. And I love that and I love it sort of like bringing it back to the the mantra it sounds like the cure is going to if, if people are experiencing those on sort of like a macro level I suppose or a principal level the cure is going to be be more visible, be more valued, yeah. and be more understood. Yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely. And, and absolutely. the thing, things like lead quality will no doubt take care of themselves, sales cycles, even perhaps like average deal sizes uh, as well. Once you've sort of built that brand, that familiarity, and that relationship at scale with your audience. Yeah, it's absolutely that brand awareness, that brand value as well. You know, if we think about, again, knock-on effects, what, if you if you have some of those challenges within your business, what you'll find is that you know it's not just the brand piece, but it's actually you might have high staff turnover, you might have high customer churn as well, or even a lack of customers. So it's it's just kind of taking the bigger picture as well. Mm. That 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 inconsistency in how you describe yourself as a business and what you believe makes you unique 
is it's such a fundamental part and it needs to be led from the top, which is why when we do our strategy piece, we are engaging with the senior members of the team across the business. So that that should include products or services. It should include operations. It should include HR. It should include the CEO, finance. Right across, You should have representatives from right across the business who will be involved in pooling together or, or sharing insight and knowledge in order for that comm strategy piece to be pulled together. Because it won't come to life unless those people are bought into it, engaged with it, and then pushing that out within their departments. Right. Otherwise, otherwise, there's no point. It's it's a strategy for strategy's sake. Right. It sounds like what, what you were describing then, it sounds like the, there almost needs to be an internal alignment before you can put that out to the market externally would would you say that's accurate yeah there's an internal and an external and um the internal absolutely we 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 encourage our clients to make sure that even if it ends up being some kind of town hall you know session where you present it back to the business and the, the core components of that strategy you know what our value proposition is the target sectors we're going after what our commercial imperatives are over the next six to 12 months. And in order to deliver against those commercial imperatives, who do we need to be speaking to? And then that that obviously feeds into the target persona work and then subsequent messaging. But externally, before you start thinking about activating or executing that strategy, it is incredibly important that you validate it so if you if you if you're spending the time pulling together messaging for personas, you have to go out to the market and test that and validate it, because and obviously you might have to do that on a small scale, um, which is fine, but you need to have confidence that what you're saying and the language that you're using is going to resonate with those target personas, and you know when we've gone through that validation exercise with clients they have said how powerful it has been for them just having that clarity because often, you know, they'll do the messaging and then not validate it. It's like, well, again, you need to make sure that you are speaking to those customers and Mm. and going to a trusted network to ensure that what you're saying does resonate. Yeah, it sounds like a really logical step um, and a really foundational and fundamental step. But in my experience, I find that it's not, always part in the vast majority of, of cases it's not part of mm. uh, part of the plan no you do often get that light bulb moment when you're talking um about the common strategy and it and in some respects it you <laughs> it's not that you oversimplify it but it just seems so simple simple thing when you talk about it it's like well of course yeah that completely makes sense but what you find is that that knock-on effect as to what that then helps you to do is often missed. And again, it's that buy-in piece, isn't it? Mm. it? It's our job to make sure that people understand the power of that comm strategy and what it can then deliver. Because we're not then doing our job properly if we cannot be able to, if we can't articulate that. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's, it's incredibly important. Okay. So just to, to round off now, people are listening to this maybe they're fired up and 
wanting to to dive into to be able to see the value and the benefit of it mm. what might be some decent next steps that somebody could do or some do's and don'ts to help them to kind of enter the world of, of doing this strategic PR? I think it's just, you know, we recognise, and particularly within the B2B world, you know, we're not talking about big consumer brands here who have got multi-squillion pound budgets. Um, we're recognising that, that few marketers will have that ideal world budget, so budget, time, or even resource, which means that they have to prioritise um, and we also have to, we, what we also, in our experience, recognise is that businesses who may, in some cases, not actually have someone, they, ha- they have got someone in marketing, but they might not necessarily have the credentials. So what often happens is that people who are um, maybe started off in an admin type role or are recognised for and being very organized, they tend to kind of amalgamate themselves into a type of marketing role. Mm. Um, and yes, okay, they might not have the credentials. And what, what the knock-on effect of that is that they end up becoming very, very tactical because they have a perceived idea that, okay, marketing is about this and PR is about that. So it's that can have a knock-on impact in terms of what they actually are able to deliver. But I think the most important thing here is if we have got marketers in in that role, they will be limited on budget, time, and resource. And that's where it's like, right, we I have to prioritize because I can't do everything. And having that robust strategy in place helps you to prioritize. It means that you don't get pulled from pillar to post. I mean, we talk to our marketers all the time and they say, oh, I'm being asked to do this, I'm being asked to do that. And what we do is we challenge, we go, well, how does that fit into our strategy? Um, and have that conscious decision and that pushback. Um, and, and we're not afraid to, to do that because we believe in the cause. Um, we believe in helping to deliver more of a strategic approach because we know the value that it can deliver. Um, so get that, get that robust strategy in place. Spend the time to do that. Um, and answer those key questions. So, you know, involve the right people that I've talked that I've said, you know, people from across the business. Set that commercial context. That's incredibly important as well, because then it doesn't become that strategy that's, you know, oh, it's in five years' time, I'm not going to worry about it yet. If you if you set a commercial context of the next quarter, the next six months, it puts urgency on what you're doing. Mm. Um, you say, right, we've got to deliver this amount of revenue in the next six months. Okay, well, how can marketing PR support that? Okay, well, let's look at our value proposition. Is it is it robust enough? Is it differentiating us? Um, look at the, how are we going to prioritize our sectors? We can't go after everything. Let's think about the budget we've got and what we can realistically prioritize. And then you get into, okay, realistically, how many personas can we actually proactively go after? Um, and, th- and that's the important bit as well here is that it's proact- we're talking about proactiveness. Mm. You might naturally get some reactive um, buyers coming into your funnel, which is great, but surely that lends itself into the brand awareness piece, doesn't it? Because mm. if you increase your brand awareness, that might naturally happen anyway. Yeah. And then, again, validate that thinking 
So marketing is designed to be the voice of the customer. So marketing is all about understanding the customer's pain point in terms of whether that's product, price, place, and promotion. That should be the marketer's defense against the business when they want to pull activity. You know, that this is this is what we're doing. This is what marketing is focused on, is the customer's pain point. And if we do that and we create messaging around that pain point and validate thinking, we are going to be on a a great road there in terms of being able to to increase that brand awareness and have longevity um, in that in that message. And I would say last point: don't be afraid to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the, there is a creative element that sometimes can be stifled in the B two B world. Think about creative ways of bringing that messaging to life. You know, written format isn't enough anymore. Use the humor. Use your company's personality use emotion we don't do enough of that in b2b i i don't feel we tend to end up going down a bit more of a corporate and professional route and i think you know covid and and you can see it on linkedin even um those stuffy corporate videos that we used to see are less and less now people are putting emotion into it they're putting personality and they're often putting humor into some of those you know those video content pieces which is great to see because it makes you stand out. That's amazing. I'm not quite sure I managed to articulate <laughs> no, what those did. kind of those key key takeaways were. But you did no. There's a lot of gold in there. So basically, if people want to do this, um, have a good, you know, to get into PR, really don't rush to tactics. Don't start creating blog posts and, and press releases. They need to be clear on priorities because people tend to be pressed for time and resources, mm. and those priorities. Are informed by the uh, by the strategy, so perhaps that would be a good place for people to to begin, and really understanding that uh, marketing is like you say the voice of the customer. So what we need are validated messages to make sure that when we're publishing content in whatever form it might take, it's going to uh, to resonate and be relevant and therefore get attention. And the last point you made, which I love, is don't be boring, <laughs> you know, don't, don't just fall into, you know, create messaging and content that really stands out against the typical landscape of B2B content with yeah. emotion and, and humor. So yeah. I think there were some fantastic points in there, Liz. Thank you so much for, for spending this time with us. I've learned a lot. I'm sure the audience has learned a lot. So thank you very much. No problem. Thank you for having me. And there we go. Thank you for listening to this episode of the B2B Brand In Demand podcast. Be sure to check back next time. We're going to have another guest that's going to give lots and lots of useful information about how you can build your B2B brand to generate demand. You can find me on LinkedIn if you search Amir Bajrafshan. And we are also at apricotbox.co for more information there. Thank you.